0: Well, it is so good to be with you all. I'm Pastor Tommy, for those of you that don't know me, and I'd just like to take a moment to welcome those of you who are joining us online and say thank you to all of you for joining us live. Why don't you give yourselves a hand? Today we are on the last part of our series called Nowhere. And as we've been going through this series, there has been a question that has kind of uh, come into my mind and left and come into my mind again. And it was this Have you ever been in nowhere? Have you ever been in a place of nowhere? And I've been thinking about this, and I was reminded of a time two years ago when our family went to the great state of South Dakota. Uh, This was back when uh, people went to South Dakota for vacation, not to live. So uh, we were, (laughs) I was hoping some people would laugh at that. so we go to South Dakota and our goal is to do all things South Dakota. We uh, uh, stop at Waldrug, Drug, we go to um, which, is, which is not a drugstore at all, actually. Um, so we stop at Wal Drug, we do the Badlands, we do Mount Rushmore, we do Crazy Horse, we do all kinds of stuff. We see the buffalo, and one thing Angela and I wanted to do was go on a hike. We wanted to uh, go on some type of adventure, and I was looking up places to hike, and I came across a place called Black Elk peak and read about it and said it is not an easy path and it's actually the highest point east of the Rockies all the way to Europe and I thought our family needs to go there we need to get up black elk peak so as I was doing some research and looking into it I realized that if you're going to go on that type of adventure you need to make sure that you're prepared so I got myself a big fancy hiking uh, family size backpack. We had two coolers in there, one filled with water and Gatorade and one filled with different snacks and protein bars, stuff like that. I had a tarp, a huge tarp for whatever reason, just brought a tarp, had a compass. Um, I had a, a waterproof of uh, matches. Um, I had a knife with me. We had a first aid kit. Uh, I brought two things with me in case you encounter something in the wild that you don't want to say hi to. So I brought two things with me as far as that goes. And uh, um, it it was an adventure. So this is where we started trail number nine all the way up to Black Elk Peak. So we climb about an hour and a half and we get to this point, which was a fancy clearing, uh, a good picturesque spot. There was a few people standing there. So we're like, hey, could you take our picture? So they take a picture of our family. And at that point, we're still kind of excited. It's like, wow, look at what we're doing. We're doing something we haven't done before. But in the back of our minds, we're thinking about the destination. Where, where is the place that we are eventually going to? and we had no idea at the time of this picture but our actual final destination is just over the left side of jordan's shoulder there's a little like me on top of the other mountain so w- don't think we climbed up the wrong mountain no this was this was part of the path but we had to then go down the mountain we just spent an hour and a half climbing to go then back up the mountain on the other side to Black Elk Peak, and we had no idea. So over the course of from that picture to our eventual destination, we had a lot of emotion at times (laughs) sweep over us. Um, uh, Jordan at times, our our oldest, uh, she had moments where she just didn't care anymore and and felt like the world should know how she is feeling. Our, our boys, you know, two years younger then, so they were 11 and 10, and just, oh, oh, it's like, dad is 38, let's get moving, you know, and, and just, just trying to, well, no, I was, I was a little more encouraging than that, but internally, Actually, there was probably a point where I did say that to them. But internally, I was trying to be a little bit encouraging. And eventually, Angela got to a point where she just lost it. She is like, where are we? I don't even see the path. Where are we? And, and she's looking at me, and I go, I, I, I don't know where we are. It's like, I'm just following the path as we... You know, as we think, and, and you know, as, as I was doing research, they talked about different places you could get off the trail, but don't do that. So you don't know, like, is, is this off the trail or am I on the trail? We're in the middle of nowhere, and in the middle of nowhere, there's a lot of emotion that can fill you and a lot of emotion you decide to let go of and everybody dealing with the situation as best as they can. And then we have an encounter with some wildlife. Now, this is the, the picture that we took, um, you know, why? you know, fellas, have you ever seen something and then wondered if you should tell your wife or girlfriend about, like, you know, we pulled out of our driveway one day and there was a snake and Angela goes, what is that? What is that? And I go, it's not what you want it to be. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Do I tell you or don't I tell you? It's not what you want it to be. So, so we're climbing and we see some wildlife up on this mountain. And I zoom into the picture and you can see it uh, kind of on the left-hand side there. It's a lion. <laughs> we're, we're looking at this thing. We go, what is that? What is that? And everyone's sharing their opinion. Now we're delirious because we're in the middle of nowhere. So it could have been a person up there. I don't know, but it looks like a lion. So we're convinced it's a lion. And at that point, I became very like, I'm happy I brought those two things that I needed in case we needed to encounter something. And Angel's like, oh, what are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to go to the front. I'm going to lead the family. We're going to go. We're in the middle of nowhere. Well, it happens to be some mountain goats. (laughs) Angela at one point goes, you were going to shoot a goat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I kind of let out what those two things were that I had. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) yeah, a gun and one bullet, yes. So... (laughs) so we're going and I'm just keeping an eye and it is amazing in the middle of nowhere how things can appear to you and what is actual reality and we're trucking through we get to a place we're convinced we're done there's there's a couple coming down we ask them how much further and he goes a thousand steps and honey you remember this and we're just like what is a thousand steps? I've never measured anything in steps. How long does it take to a thousand steps? And I was thinking about this yesterday like, one, two, three. That, is that then a thousand seconds? What is a thousand seconds? And I thought, I don't want to do that math. So the guy was basically right, and it was terrible. And we just thought, there's no way it's a thousand steps. It's a thousand steps. So we eventually get there. This is our destination. So um, our, our family's up there, Black Elk Peak. Uh, there was a few other people up there, and they were taking a break just like us for a while. And here was the interesting thing. We knew everything we had gone through we're now going to go through again. <laughs> so the question is, how, how did you make it through? How did you get through the middle of nowhere? How did you, how did you get through that time where the kids are tweaking out and, and the parents are tweaking out? How do you get through that? Well, there was a few things that came to my mind. One, we stayed on the path. The best path that we knew was the path. We just stayed on it. It didn't make sense to us. It's like we just went that way. Why are we going this way? We're supposed to be going up. Why are we going downhill? Why are we climbing down a mountain if we're supposed to climb up to the highest peak east of the Rockies? This makes no sense. We stay committed to the objective. So there's one thing to stay on the path. But this is also staying on the path. When you're committed to the objective, there's a little more motivation in you to get there, to get there. And then we didn't let our feelings or our emotions deter us from what we were supposed to do. Sure, we had tons of them, tons of feelings, tons of emotions, tons of thoughts, tons of things we expressed to each other, even though we still love each other. (laughs) Those times but it helped us get through to the destination. It helped us get out of nowhere. Now, this is true when you're hiking. It's, it's, it's also true when you're just going through life. If you stay on the path, you stay committed to the objective and you don't let your thoughts and your feelings get in the way, you're gonna eventually get out of nowhere and come to somewhere. But here's the interesting thing. We do everything we can to avoid going to nowhere. Hey, I'm thinking about doing something. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm I'm just going to go nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. I I have no desire to go with someone to nowhere. We will try to avoid nowhere at all costs. That's not a fun destination. That doesn't fill my heart with joy. I want to go to nowhere. What I find funny is that one of Jesus' greatest miracles, one of the miracles, like, if you could list them, one of the greatest miracles, most well-known miracles, actually happened in the middle of nowhere. Let's read about it. It says this in Luke chapter 9. It says, Jesus took them away, off by themselves, near the town of Bethsaida, But the crowds got wind of it and followed. Jesus graciously welcomed them and talked to them about the kingdom of God and those who needed healing, he healed. As the sun set, the twelve said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the farms or villages around here and get a room for the night and a bite to eat. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Now, a few things about this. The people followed Jesus to nowhere. The people followed Jesus to nowhere. Another thought is these people left somewhere to get to nowhere. They left their homes. They left their jobs. They left the fields. Some parents left the kids. Some kids left the parents. They left somewhere. To go to the middle of nowhere. Now you could also say that maybe Jesus, and this might seem terrible to say, Jesus led them to nowhere. Why would Jesus do that? You got a whole bunch of people following you. Jesus could have at some point just turned around on the outside of town like, Oh, we got a crowd. We got a crowd. I'm just going to turn around. We'll just do the thing right here, and then we'll be on our way. No, Jesus kept walking. He kept walking, and he kept walking, and he kept walking. Where's Jesus going? I don't know. But they're looking behind them, and they see somewhere disappearing in the distance, and they're looking ahead of them, and they're like, we're, we're on the edge. Right, Pastor Brian? We're on the edge of nowhere. And Jesus keeps walking well now we're getting to the middle of nowhere you gotta assume that some of these people started counting the cost of the followership of Jesus as they're leaving somewhere going to nowhere and Jesus hasn't done anything for them yet he's not baiting them along Jesus is just walking just on the journey and Thousands and thousands of people are just walking behind him. And then in the middle of nowhere, Jesus turns around and welcomes the people. Hey, thank you for coming on the journey today. And it also says in the middle of nowhere, Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. Jesus could have taught them about the kingdom of God in somewhere. Why, oh why, did he feel compelled to teach them in the middle of nowhere? I think sometimes we might learn some lessons differently in nowhere as opposed to us being somewhere. We might hear the words of Jesus a little differently when we're away from the distractions, away from all of the things that We are aware of. You want to know why Bible camps and women's and men's retreats and all of those things are so monumental in people's lives? It's because you left somewhere. It's not because Jesus is different between somewhere and nowhere. We're different. We're different people when we're somewhere. And then when we're nowhere, Jesus taught them in nowhere. And then it says he healed them in the middle of nowhere. So Jesus didn't have to be somewhere to heal them. He could heal them in the middle of nowhere. So some great, awesome, incredible things are happening to these thousands of people that traveled with Jesus to the middle of nowhere And then there became a very real need. We need food. Now keep in mind, these people had no idea where Jesus was headed. They had no idea where Jesus was going to stop. They didn't take time to pack a lunch. They didn't take time to be like, okay, we need to bring a tarp, and we need to bring two things with us in case we encounter something Rather interesting in the wild. They didn't have time to bring a compass. They needed food. And we'll continue on with the story. Jesus goes, You feed them. Remember, the disciples were like, Hey, they need food. Now now keep in mind if if you want to want to kind of dig into this about how far Jesus went into the middle of nowhere the disciples said you need to send them on the way so they can find a place to stay for the night it is too far too late for them to get back to somewhere that's how far they followed Jesus let them not they need to go to their homes Let them go to the village or someplace around here to spend a place for the night and then they can go home the next day. They said, we couldn't scrape up more than five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. This boy needed to bring some food home to his parents and saw Jesus, so he brought the food with him to the middle of nowhere. I don't know, maybe not. Unless, of course, you want us to go to town ourselves and buy food for everybody, there were more than 5,000 people in the crowd. But he went ahead and directed his disciples, sit them down in groups of about 50. They did what he said and soon had everyone seated. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed Broke and gave the bread and fish to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. After the people had all eaten their fill, 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered up at the end. Absolutely incredible story. One of the, one of probably the most popular, well known miracles that Jesus performed and was documented in scripture. Great story. And if you and I had the opportunity, we would probably want to be there. Anyone want to be there? It would have been great to see no food and then a whole bunch of food. Those of you that like fish, I don't like fish. You invite me over to your house, please don't make anything out of the sea. I don't don't like fish. People that like fish, I think they would have liked to taste the fish that Jesus just, you remember the water turned into the wine? First miracle that Jesus performed, some people serve the greatest wine first and wait till everyone's had too much to drink and then they give the cheaper wine. But you saved the greatest wine for the end. Jesus' wine that he, that he made a miracle, that he supplied, was the greatest that anyone tasted. You like fish sandwiches. That would have been a good day to have a fish sandwich. You'd just like to see Jesus do that. How did it happen? Did he just, like bread, he broke it, and then all of a sudden there was another loaf. I don't know. We'd like to be there, but here's the thing. We'd have to be willing to follow Jesus from somewhere to nowhere in order to be there so easy to just be gosh I wish I was there but we we fail to count the costs of actually getting there you got to know at some point that crowd was probably bigger I never thought about this till this moment some people thought no not worth it for me not worth it for me I was hoping he would teach on the outside of somewhere. I was hoping he'd do something just on the edge of nowhere, but not in the middle of nowhere. No, I got to get home. I got something else to do. I can't travel to nowhere. And if Jesus hasn't stopped yet, who's to say he's going to stop at all? If he just kept walking through, it's like, Well, okay, so now this is a two-day journey. This is a three-day journey. We want to be there. We don't, we, we want the miracles of nowhere without having to give up somewhere. We want the miracles. We want the greatness of God to show up like he does in nowhere while we can stay somewhere. Here's another thought I want to give you and and we'll move on. You don't have to be afraid of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, Jesus welcomed them. Jesus welcomed them. In the middle of nowhere, Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. In the middle of nowhere, people were healed. You don't Have to be afraid of nowhere. There's a qualification, though, that I want to give you along that train of thought. It's okay to be in the middle of nowhere, it is not okay to be headed nowhere. It's okay to be in the middle of nowhere. It's not okay to be headed to nowhere. So, hey, here's the thing. I'm journeying. I'm following Jesus. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. I want you to understand that's okay. Why? Because Jesus led you there. There's things Jesus wants to do in your life that he's not going to do somewhere, but he's going to do in the middle of nowhere. What's not okay is to be headed nowhere. Where your destination is to nothing. Following Jesus, you might feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but you stay committed to the path, you stay committed to the objective, and you don't let your thoughts and feelings deter you. You don't let your thoughts, well, i followed Jesus this far. He hasn't done anything for me yet. We don't know what fish sandwiches he has planned. We don't know that we were a thousand a thousand steps away from experiencing the miracle. A thousand steps away. We're on the edge of nowhere. There ain't no way I'm going to the middle. And we turn back around. You don't need to be afraid of nowhere. But don't be a person that's headed nowhere. In Ephesians 4, there's a verse that says, I don't want anyone strolling off down a path that goes nowhere. It's okay to be headed somewhere, but don't be the person that strolls off the path, that takes a stroll and then doesn't come back. Some of us, we've been on a stroll for a week, for two months, some of us for 10 years. And we haven't made our way back yet. We've been on a stroll going to nowhere. And Jesus is like, come on back, come on back, come on back. Don't be a person that's on a stroll going to nowhere. Be a person that's going somewhere. So for our remaining time together, I want to focus on how we can be people, how you can be an individual, how you can be a family, how you can be a person that is headed to somewhere. Oh sure, you might be in the middle of nowhere and again, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to avoid it. You can be going through the middle, but you're headed somewhere. So Ephesians 4 says this, Paul is speaking here. He says, in light of all of this, of all of these things I've taught you, all of these things I've told you, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master. Now, for those of you that don't know Paul, the writer of this, Paul, when he originally comes on the scene in in Scripture, he is anti-Christian. He is anti-Jesus. He feels it is his personal mission and job to stop the spread of the story of Jesus Christ and his grace and his forgiveness that he offers to everyone. Everyone. It's his mission to put a stop to it and stop the people that are sharing this story, this idea. At least that's what was in Paul's mind. Paul has a transformation that takes place and now he becomes the super spreader of the story of Jesus Christ. Isn't that fun how words like a year and a half ago went to... to, Now he is the super spreader of the story of Jesus going everywhere. And sometimes his passion in doing this brought him to places like prison. So this is the context of what he is sharing. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road God called you To travel. So Paul is saying this while I'm in a six by six. While I can go, I don't know if we started back here, right, Pastor? While I'm in a six by six, and this is as far as I can go, I want you to get out there and walk. I want you to get moving. God has a path. He has a place for you to travel to. There's a destination for you to get to. And while I personally am locked up here and I can't go outside of this box, I want you to make sure you are going somewhere. Walk, do something. God has a path for you to move on. And then he says, better yet, run. Better yet, run. So I've been thinking about the differences between walking and running. Walking is a slower pace. Walking, you eventually get to the destination, but it's slower. Running takes more energy, takes more out of you. It requires more of you, but you actually get there quicker. Another thought that I had is this. I want to make sure I say this right. Everyone that can run can walk, but not, every, not everyone that walks can run. If you run, you can walk, but just because you walk doesn't mean you can run. And Paul is saying, walk, get on this journey, go. Better yet, run. Get after it. If, if you are still alive, God has a purpose for you to fulfill. At no point are you done in this race. At no point do you just get to turn in your card and just be like, "Yep, well, this is all all God had for me. No, 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 no. If you're breathing, you're alive. God has a purpose for you to fulfill. Whether you're walking or running, there's a purpose for you to fulfill, but you're not going to outrun the purpose of God. Now, I was thinking this last week, though, you can get ahead of God. You can be wanting things and be anxious for things to happen and desiring for all this. to. And God's like, wait, wait, there's a process we need to get get through, go through. You're still in the middle of nowhere and we're wanting to arrive at somewhere. And God's saying, there's something I want to teach you in the middle of nowhere. Don't get ahead of me. You're not going to outrun my purpose. But you got to be sure you don't get there too quick. And let me prepare the way for you. There's some physical benefits to running. Running builds strong bones. Now, now again, there's some people that could say, well, when you run, you're actually hurting your bones. And yeah, okay. So this is just what I found. Running builds strong bones. Running strengthens muscles. Running improves your cardiovascular fitness, and it helps maintain a healthy weight. What, what would happen if we ran spiritually? It help us be stronger. It would strengthen our spiritual muscles strengthen our faith it would improve our cardiovascular system your whole spiritual self if you ran spiritually speaking it would improve your whole spiritual health and it'd help you maintain your weight when you're running you don't carry unnecessary stuff when you're walking, sure, I'll I'll carry this, I'll carry that. When you're hiking, I'll carry this, I'll carry that. But if you're running, you're basically down to your shoes and shorts and a shirt sometimes. It'll help you maintain your spiritual weight if you just run. We'll keep going. He says, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. Now, I thought about this. What happens if you do this for a long period of time? Your your hands, like the blood flow kind of stops. And sure, you are are fully there, fully coherent. You can have a whole bunch of conversations, all type of stuff. Someone puts a piece of cheesecake in front of you, you're going to be eating it like this because your hands won't be able to function because there's no blood flow. I don't want any of you sitting on your hands. Now, what is a reason why someone would want to sit on their hands? They're <laughs> Those of you online are sitting at the back. Pastor Bride goes, You're cold. <laughs> or you've done something wrong. You can't keep your hands to yourself. So you sit on them because you don't want to do anything wrong. And then here's the thought. The the amount of time you're sitting on your hands because you're afraid of doing something wrong, you're also limiting yourself from doing anything that's right. So you might have some moments in time where, oh my gosh, I did that wrong. I should have never done that. I'm sorry, I I messed up. That was not good. And we have this tendency to then sit on our hands, but then we end up doing nothing. Or when the opportunity comes for us to do something, our hands have no blood flow, so we're not even prepared in our minds or in our hearts to do it because we have no capability of fulfilling the thing that came our way because we've just been sitting on our hands. So, In one instance, he's like, walk, better yet, run. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I don't want you sitting on your hands. I don't want you sitting on your hands. Again, these are principles that will help us to be people that are headed somewhere. You might be in the middle of nowhere. This will help you get to somewhere. It says, Then this is that verse we talked about earlier. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Don't want anyone strolling off the path that goes nowhere. Then it says, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts. As you are running and you're not sitting on your hands, mark that you are doing this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts. So I've been thinking about this word humility. and over the last week, this has come to me personally a few times. Some of you will enjoy this. So hopefully all of you. Last weekend, Angela and I renewed our concealed and carry. And as we are going through this process, it's like, you know we're going to go to the range and we're going to shoot 25 rounds. and I'm thinking to myself, 25 rounds, that's that's like gold right now. It's like just taking dollars and throwing it down and then you don't chase after it again. You're just like, here, 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 here. It's like, could I just give you $10 and shoot five rounds? No, I didn't actually ask that, by the way. So Angela and I are looking into laser target shooting because that's a lot cheaper. And so... We're looking up guns. We, I talked to our instructor, asked him what he'd recommend, and all these different things, and he, and he texts me back. And so Angela and I are looking up these, these videos on these laser target shooting you know, guns. So we look at the video, and Angela goes, oh, a cert gun. And I say, it is not a cert gun. It's a S-I-R-T. It's, it's all capital letters. It's not cert. And she's like, oh, I think it's CERT. And, you know, so we're having the normal husband-wife conversation around our dining room table. So we watch the video, and the video starts, and he goes, hi, I'm here to talk to you about the CERT gun. And I go, oh, my gosh. Oh. And I looked at her, and she looked at me. She was like, go ahead and say it. You were right. <laughs> so I experienced humility there. I experienced discipline, as in, you were right. You were right. And so discipline teaches me to don't to not disagree with her in the future. Just say, honey, yep. I, I'm assuming you're probably right. It is a cert gun, even though it's capital S, capital I, capital R, capital T. I experienced it again yesterday. So uh, we, we're, we're going to Python. Anyone been to Python? Not a snake store, by the way. Um, you just drop off a whole bunch of recyclables, all that type of stuff. We had a big box wanted to get rid of. So we get there. I'm like the last vehicle in there. And there's one way in, one way out. And many times when I go there, I just back up the whole way out because there's not much room to turn around. So I have this huge box, and the people in front of me just got done unloading. I thought, they don't want to wait for me. So I just took the huge box, and I threw it in the dumpster. And I get in the vehicle, and we drive away. And the whole time I'm driving away and going to our next destination, it was like, you're better than that. You should have collapsed the box. You should have taken care of the box. You are better than that. And I'm like, oh, I know I'm better. I don't wanna be better, I wanted to be quick. And so I tell Jordan, I said, we gotta go back. She's like, what? And I said, "I'm, I'm being reminded that I'm better than that. I'm being humbled, I need to go back to where I was and take care of it how I was supposed to. Humility comes in that moment. Humility is in the mind, in the heart. Discipline brings out that humility in action. Discipline helps you do the thing that you knew you were supposed to do in the first place. Humility causes you to drive all the way back. But discipline is what helps you get it done. So mark that you do this that you live out this life, that you are going to somewhere with humility and discipline. Sometimes you're gonna remind, be reminded, you're not all that. You got a lot of areas you need to clean up. You should have did the box right the first time. Discipline helps you get it right. And you know what you did? You took another thousand steps. You took another thousand steps. And it says, don't do this in fits and starts. How many of us spiritually speak? How many of us physically speak? I started the diet. There was was a year Angela and I went. We did did no fast food for an entire year. It's very difficult going through the drive-thru getting your kids fast food (laughs) and you not partaking of any of it. It's like mom and dad are going to be healthier, but you kids, you guys can... And we did it. It was awesome. But how many of us, we like start, we have this idea, oh, we're going to do, oh. I'm going to start doing, no. Sometimes we don't even get the art part. I'm going to, oh. And we already failed. We already messed up. And we do it spiritually speaking too. Don't think, don't think for yourself. I should be careful how I say this if if we're not mindful of how we're treating our physical bodies sometimes sometimes we're not as mindful of our spiritual bodies as well and if 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 when it comes to our physical world, if it's difficult for us to follow through and get things done and and stay on the path, committed to the objective and not let our thoughts and feelings deter us, if we struggle with that physically speaking, how much more will we struggle with that spiritually speaking, right? So, So let's push through those moments physically, sure. But let's make sure those, that, that enters into our spiritual life as well, where we're not in fits and starts. We're not, oh, I'm going to follow. Well, I followed Jesus to the outside of town, but now I'm going back. That didn't get us to the miracle. Follow through, follow through. It says, but steadily pouring yourselves out for, sorry, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. I had much more I was gonna say here, but I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you've poured yourself out in love for someone else? When is the last time you've given everything you got for someone else out of love? He ends this portion Paul ends it by saying, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. This last year, more so than I think any other year of my lifetime, we have become very alert to our differences. Very, very, very alert to our differences. What I find interesting is that in in itself is not wrong. It's okay for you to think and feel something different than your neighbor. It's okay for you to think and feel something different than the person that's sitting two or three chairs to the left of you. That's okay. And it's important to be alert to those differences, but don't forget the part about mending fences. Don't forget about the part of mending fences. This thought came to me, We can't all be used as an instrument of justice in this world. Whatever your idea of justice is, truth be told, we will not all be used to administer that justice that we feel so, so strongly about. But we can and should all be used as a person of peace. What that means to you, it means to you. You can watch all the things in the world. This should be done. This should be, and we're ready to administer the justice. This is how this is supposed to be taken care of. What about the peace part? What about the mending fences part? We are so quick. This thought hit me too. You know how easy it is to tear down a house? (laughs) Boom. Ain't that that easy to mend one, fix one, or build one from scratch? And if we become so used to that process of tearing down things, if we've spent a year tearing down things, how much longer will it be? How much more energy will it take for us to build those things back? So, in an effort for you, for me, for us, to be a people that is getting out of the middle of nowhere or going, we we need to be people that are going somewhere, you need to know how you got to the middle of nowhere in the first place. If you got to the middle of nowhere because you chased off, you went on a stroll, You followed some path you weren't supposed to. It's time for you to stop and drop to your knees and say, Jesus, help me. Help me. Guide me out of this nowhere path to somewhere. And for those of you, spiritually speaking, you're on this journey, you're following Jesus, and you find yourself in the place of nowhere. I want you to understand you don't need to be afraid in the middle of nowhere Jesus will teach you, Jesus will heal you, he'll provide for you in ways you didn't nev- you you didn't ever expect. You didn't ever think would happen. But stay the course. Stay on the path, stay committed to the objective and don't let your thoughts and feelings deter you. Because Jesus has something great in store for all of us and you specifically, individually. You specifically, individually. Thank God that he is the same somewhere, the edge of nowhere, the middle of nowhere, and the next somewhere. Thank God he is the same. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to dissect this word called nowhere. And Lord, nowhere is not just a word. It's a place, and too often a very real place that we go through and experience. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be a people that are headed somewhere that we might be going through the middle of nowhere, but that is not where we're headed. You want more for us? God, may we want more for ourselves that will compel us to get out of that place because we know there is more to come. Lord, for those that are struggling on the paths God, I pray that you would encourage them, bring people around them to be a voice of hope to them, to encourage them on their way. Lord, I thank you for how you supply and how you provide. And I thank you for the lessons you teach us as we go through the middle of nowhere. Give us a wonderful rest of our day as we think about the nowheres in our life. God, help us to be mindful that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can lean upon you. If you are here today and you haven't... leaned upon Jesus. You haven't surrendered your life to him. You're in the middle of nowhere and you don't know how to get out. If you're online and you're with us and you're watching and you're like, I'm the middle of nowhere and I brought myself here. It wasn't Jesus, I brought myself here. If you're you're here or you're online, I just want you to stretch out your hand. I'd like to pray with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I see that hand, thank you very much. If you're watching online, just click a link saying you would like prayer. All right, I'm gonna lead those of you that responded in prayer. You just uh, believe in your heart with the words that I'm saying, dear Jesus, I thank you that you are with me. And even when I think you are gone, you are there. Even when I thought you were nowhere, you are now here. Forgive me for the times I've strolled off. Forgive me for the times I've just gone my own way and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen.